All right, everybody, welcome to the O Boys for Monday, June 19th. F it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. Clayton, it is Father's Day weekend, and so we had to bring in the box office daddy himself, Father B.O., mm-hmm. from the rap, the legend, the icon, Scott Mendelson is here to break down this weekend. Scott, thank you for joining us on this historic weekend. This is also my son's 12th birthday. Oh, 12 years birthday. ago this weekend. I was sitting in a hospital and because I had some time to kill, I didn't need to see him get him circumcised. I wrote up mm-hmm. a quick why the $55 million opening of Green Lantern was such a giant disaster that with bad reviews, poor legs, a B cinema score and competition on the horizon, it would be lucky to get to 120 and would probably follow up pattern akin to Zack Snyder's Watchmen. 12 years later, The Flash has opened to $55 million amid mixed reviews, a B cinema score, and a massively front-loaded weekend on par with Man of Steel from 10 years ago, which had mixed reviews, but a huge opening weekend. I'll get to that in a second. But math, but a front-loaded opening, 2.2 multiplier. And uh, I think we're seeing history repeat itself over and over again. Wow. I love that your son's life, it, the milestones will be box office base that is that is really how it should be that's how it should be for all parents on this father's day weekend. Yes. <laughs> you, you should remember your kid's birthday but more importantly you should remember the disappointing opening weekends that correlate to those birthdays that that that's really how a child's life should be marked so and to this day he has not seen green lantern he has no interest wow and he had no interest in watching the flash wow well you know that what speaks volumes 10 years from now, when it, when he's in college, it'll be interesting to see what superhero movie comes out that he will then have no interest in. Will superhero movies be around when your son is going into college? That That is in question after this opening weekend. Clayton, could you quickly give us a Father's Day weekend plow? Tell us the top five for the weekend of... Friday, June 16th, 2023. Yes. And I'm going to do the three day because I'm not, we're not talking four day here. We're talking three three day day for this. Yeah. Okay. Number one, the flash made $55.1 million in its first frame. Number two, elemental made $29.5 million in its initial frame. Number three, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse made $27.8 million, down 50%. It lost 459 theaters. It stands at $280.3 million in its third weekend. Number four, Transformers Rise of the Beasts made $20 million, down 67%, added two theaters. It's at $100 million in its second weekend. Number five, The Little Mermaid made 11.6 down 50%, lost 840 theaters. It's at $253.5 million in its fourth weekend. And we're going to six only because we got another newbie, The Blackening, made $6 million in its first frame. That is your top five plus one. All right, so listen, there's two big stories this weekend that we got to get into. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man's holding great. Transformers not holding well. That looks like that's going to fall off a cliff. Blackening opened around where everyone expected. But there's two big ones. Let's, Scott, given the thumbs up. I would say that was on, listen, some of us were hopeful. Could this make eight? Could this make nine? Blackening made six. I think that's fine. Lionsgate, you know, it's a $5 million acquisition. Um, They are good. You know, it will make money for them. Right. Right. Yep. And frankly, it's it's Tim Story's best movie in a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, he you give him credit. He's had a lot of big hits. He had the right along well, movies and his Tim and Tom and Jerry saved movie theaters in early 2021. Yes. 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 So true. We realized we were in the That Tom was the Jerry first generation. time I felt hope when I woke up that morning to news that Tom and Jerry had made four million dollars that Friday. Yep. Yeah. Can- so Good for Tim Story. He's he he over you know he over delivers here, but two big new movies way under delivered. Let's go right to it. Let's start with the Flash. So, Scott, how bad is this opening weekend? I mean, is it? 
not even getting into adjusted for inflation because mm-hmm. I don't have a calculator on me and I'm sure whatever. This opened on par with Green Lantern. This opened on par with Watchmen. This opened – this film made as much money in its three-day weekend as Man of Steel made in its first full Friday. Jesus. Wow. Wow. It will probably not appro- – you know, it'll probably top out at around 120, maybe 125, 130 if they're lucky. Man of Steel made 128 in its first three oh days. Oh, my God. Which, I mean, the hows and whys of the DC universe over the last decade will someday fill a very good book. Yeah, but and, and Scott Mendelson should the day, be the one to write it. Let's just put it out there right maybe. now. Maybe. Someone will there. give me an advance. Yeah. Um, definitely you, of course. You're but giant it's advance. been 10 years and they're right back where they started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, good God, we are very much struggling to open any DC movie that isn't Batman. So... And it did not have to be that way. I mean, Man of Steel made six sixty five ish. I'm going off memory. Forgive me. It was a disappointingly front loaded picture. Reviews and word of mouth were divisive. There were choices that had to be made. But rushing into Batman v Superman to Whedon Comic Con in 2013, that was basically it was dead then. It just took ten years to die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, doubling down on the most controversial aspects of Man of Steel with what would become Batman v Superman, as opposed to just making a Man of Steel 2 that sort of goes, oh yeah, we evacuated a bunch of the buildings in Metropolis. There were only a f- you know, few hundred casualties. Mm-hmm. They could have done that. Right. They would have gotten away with it. Right. Right. <laughs> and then you would have had a Man of Steel 2 that picks up at the gee whiz, happy dappy ending of Man of Steel. Right. Where, you know, Clark Kent walks into the Daily Planet. You know, Lois Lane welcomes him and yippee skippy off to the races. Right, right. They did not do that. Because that film was setting up a happy Superman sequel. Right. Which, which, you know, regardless of what you think of the picture, regardless of whatever, um, there was, they did not have to make a sequel that doubled down on the, you know, oh my God, Superman's going to do more harm than good. Look at all of these innocent bystanders that have been killed. Right, right. So, um, so DC at this point, you know, the you look at the last couple of years they've had. They had the James Gunn Suicide Squad, summer of 2021. D- giant bomb. It was a day and date HBO Max situation. Whatever gets a pass. It still would have bombed. I genuinely believe that. Right. No Will Smith, no Sam. Right. And then, of course, we had Black Adam, the rock disaster, bomb this past fall. Up- Which, again, had it played normal in China, it probably would have squeaked by with 500 and saved face. Right. But a movie that showed no domestic interest topped out at what 150 ish one yes and no because it, it's it's weird and I, I don't mean to keep contradicting you but it is a weird situation that by the standards of a rock solo picture black adam did pretty well overseas i mean it did very well domestically and in, in, in north and overseas but films like rampage uh uh san andreas uh, Jumanji, Jumanji, Jumanji two, Jumanji three, Journey two, whatever the hell that's called. Those films cost between eighty and one hundred and twenty. Well, Black Adam cost two hundred. Ergo, it's a flop. I mean, that's the thing with these DC movies or these superhero movies in general. The budgets are so high, the expectations are so high, and the audience For level, me, the audience interest is there. Of course, we just had the Shazam two, Rise of the Gods, total bomb, as and now you go into likes the flash. Black Adam more than most people. The big problem with that movie, sorry. He, he's so he's so worked Adam up over this. Is that yeah? It cost about two hundred million to make, give or take, and they assumed that you had DC fan base, rock fans. That's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. When in actuality, it was pretty much a circle. Right. You know, right. it was it was almost entirely overlapping demographics. Right. So this fla- well, this Flash movie opening in the fifties. I mean. The, the the studio projections were in the 70s for the three day and we know the studio projections always try and low ball listen I, I'm gonna I'm gonna own up to it I came on this show end of last week I thought this would overperform the opening weekend I felt like down the road the legs wouldn't be there but I thought there would be enough interest to get this to a 90 million dollar three day it's the big superhero movie Batman 89 is back in it. You know, people don't care about the Ezra Miller controversies was my assumptions. I figured it would open to 90. This thing opens it in the 50s. What? 55 million for a three day. 55. I this think is the, the nightmare thing that scenario. you said there is people didn't care. Well, I, people didn't care yep. about Ezra Miller. Great. But they also didn't care about the Flash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think the studio and, frankly, the media vastly overestimated the nostalgia value of Michael Keaton as Batman. Mm -hmm. This wasn't Spider-Man No Way Home. This wasn't three Spider-Men that everybody knew and liked interacting together and saving the day together in material that, by the way, was kept entirely out of the previews. Right, right. Yeah, we all knew, but it still was a discovery to see how they were interacting in the picture itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You had to go to theaters to see. This was one flash that most people either don't know or didn't have any strong feelings about. And one Batman that played Batman 30 years ago, kind of sort of hanging out in a skewed multiverse plot that because it's a multiverse plot, you know how these things work, was never going to have any long-term consequences. Right. Yeah. Now, Scott, we saw this movie on Thursday night, Pat and myself. And the thing about it was that the people who went to see this for Batman 89, I believe were not served a story they would appreciate, right? So that was an issue. I think that the way, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the way the character is treated, and it, there's a level where it's fun and it's good because it's Keaton, but the way that it ends is not going to be something that an 89 Batman fan is going to be happy with. The other thing, and I mentioned it really briefly at the end of our last episode, our preview episode, is that for the movie-going public, the, the youngsters, the people who are in that prime demo, their Batman is Christian Bale. Their Batman mm-hmm. is Nolan Batman. Keaton is so far in the past. I mean, he's our Batman, but we were like, what, nine, eight years old when that came out? These kids weren't even born. They weren't even born for another 10, 15 years, right? Now, there's a great joke about that in Neighbors from nine years ago, mm. where Seth Rogen and, and, and Zac Efron argue about who was the best Batman. Right. Mm-hmm. And the entire point of that joke is that, you know, it's an intergenerational thing. Right, yeah. right. This would be like trying to hype a new James Bond movie by saying, this time... Roger Moore shows up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe some old people might be, you know, people my age might be kind of curious, but my kid, my kids wouldn't give a shit. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think like Clayton said, we did our weekend preview episode before we saw this film. Had I seen this film before we went on Mike, I for sure would have predicted it lower than we did because coming out of it there, there was a, and again, we're not going to spoil anything, but, we sat there and we watched through the whole credits. We wanted to see this audience exit. We wanted to see the looks on their faces. There was a man who walked out with a Batman 89 logo hat on. And I oh. feared for what this person would, would. I was hoping, don't harm yourself. Please do not harm yes. yourself. I, I, I didn't say that to him. I didn't care enough to say it. But I did think it. Please don't harm yourself, sir. He had a look on his face <laughs> that was existential sadness coming out of that. Oh, yeah. And, and that kind yeah. of existential sadness does not lead to good word of mouth that raises the Friday, raises the Saturday. That existential sadness means that this movie is going to drop like a stone. And that that's what happened. That this this was for yeah. nobody. You know, in in the same way that 10 years ago, regular people left Man of Steel thinking, feeling bad for all the 200,000 Metropolis citizens that were buried alive. Yeah, Mm -hmm. You you don't want people leaving sad. And I I, I mean, there are so many things that went wrong in retrospect with this Flash movie. And, you know, one of them is just being on the full coming out in the full decline of superhero movies and DC movies specifically the whole Ezra Miller controversies or, you know, which I think we kept looking at the fact that people didn't know about it. So it wouldn't affect it, but it does prove a point that, and this is good. I think um, for the, the actors guild as they head into a possible strike it really does show, even if movie stars aren't what they used to, you do need someone to promote your movie. You do need a lead that actor or actress to true. promote a movie. Yeah, Scott, could you talk to how much did Ezra Miller being unavailable, Michael Keaton being unavailable, hurt this movie? No one, there were commercials, but there was no human being promoting this thing. Yeah, and I think by default, Keaton being busy was more of an issue because I think, in, and again, you think you would have gotten this in writing beforehand, but I kind of figured, I think we all figured, okay, Miller's going to be off the table, but hey, Keaton's going to be on all the talk shows. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there was a giant writer's strike, right. so 
to extent that talk shows even exist, you know, that's that's an issue. Right. He couldn't go on um, Gabe. He couldn't go But again, on, you're yeah. right. You're absolutely right. This is an example of a big tentpole movie that maybe made less than it otherwise might have. Again, I don't think that was a key factor, but humor me for a mm-hmm. minute. Because it's stars and its writers were unable to promote it. Yeah. And you're right. That does strengthen the SAG guild and the WGA guild or pardon the redundancy. Um, But as much as we talk about where DC went wrong, what makes me angriest is that three year, two year span where they were doing everything right. Right. And by that, I mean, Wonder Woman kicked ass. It was a great movie that everybody loved. Mm -hmm. It beat Marvel, the female hero punch. Mm -hmm. Um, Joker and, made a billion dollars yeah, and just, won an Oscar. What was Joker yeah. made a billion dollars and and won a Best Actor yeah, Oscar? Well, yeah, and you know, yes, Justice League was a disaster, but that was such a weird ass. This is never going to happen again. Kind of disaster that it almost, you know, whatever. But then Aquaman made a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Aquaman, the punchline. Yes, yes, yes. And not because oh wow, people love superheroes because it was a great fucking adventure movie. Yes. Yes. It was basically James Wan's kitchen, you know, of an acquaintance online. I'll never, I'll never, refer, I used to call it Oops All Berries the movie just because it was just, but somebody else referred to it as Costco the movie. And I love that. Yes. Because that's basically what it is. It's, it's everything in bulk. And it, it's, I've watched it several times over the years and it's just completely delightful. And that's why I haven't given up hope for the Lost Kingdom yet. But so they're coming off of Aquaman that makes a billion dollars. And by the way, domestically, it's the leggiest live action comic book superhero movie since Tim Burton's Batman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So people clearly liked it. Shazam does 366 and a 90 budget. It's actually legging out well until Avengers Endgame comes out and just crushes everything in the marketplace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I genuinely, okay, I'm, I'm skipping ahead here. And then, yes, Joker comes out and wins an Oscar. Yes. And here's what would have happened in a non-COVID world. Birds of Prey still would have flopped because that film was basically done before COVID. Yes. Disappointing. We can, Mistakes were made. Shouldn't have been in our rating. Should have been called Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Yes, yes. I love it. I think it was one of the best movies of 2020, partially because it was an R-rated movie because the action was terrific, but commercially going R-rated was a mistake. And I wrote that back in 2018 mm-hmm. because there's plenty of female-centric R-rated action movies out there. Underworld, Resident Evil, Atomic Blonde, et cetera, et cetera. Put it, making that PG-13 would have made it stand out from the crowd. I was like, wow, a female action movie you can take your kids to. Neat. Um, but then what would have happened in summer 2020? Wonder Woman in 1984 would have been a huge smash hit. Yes. Would it have been as well-received, well-reviewed, and successful as the first one? No. But it still would have been a 660 to, or 650 to $800 million grocer. And it probably would have been the biggest domestic grocer of the year, give or take Top Gun Maverick. Yes, I think Top Gun Maverick did better in 2022 than it would have done in 2020, but clearly there was an interest in that picture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then what would have happened next? The Batman. Good reviews. You know, even if it does exactly as it does in COVID times, which is reasonable. 770 on a 180 budget. Ray reviews. Strong legs. Holy shit. DC is kicking ass. Yada, yada, yada. And then when the Suicide Squad comes out and bombs anyway, which, again, no Will Smith, no Joker. And most people weren't that crazy about the last one. Tomb Raider Trap. It still would have been seen as sort of a... One for them, one for the love of the game. Mm -hmm. DC can do what Marvel can't. It still would have gotten good reviews, still would have gotten good buzz. And I think it would have done probably closer to Secret Life of Pets 2 numbers. Mm -hmm. The first film did 785. The second one did 430. I think that was always a good comparison for Suicide Squad 2. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you would have had fucking Aquaman in the the, uh, Lost Kingdom opening at the end of 2021, three years later, doing Mm -hmm. another – 800 to billion dollars right right now and the narrative would have been dc is doing fine now this flash movie in retrospect it's it's a movie based on a character that it does seem like even in through the flash's appearances in batman v superman justice league it was a character that just did not catch on in a major way and did not have catch the imagination of the audience in a way that an Aquaman can, because an Aquaman yes. goes into this, you know, totally other world, gives you something you don't see in other movies. The Flash, and you could see it in the marketing, all they did was promote, you get to see Batman in this movie. They had nothing mm-hmm. 
else. And and because everything else was remember that TV show that was really fucking awesome eight years ago and it just ended now. We're gonna do that again. Right. Right. The the desperation in here, and again, coming off of Black Adam, coming off of Shazam 2, it was one of the sweatiest, most desperate-seeming movies we have ever seen been released at this level. I mean, it was just the audience could tell they're begging us to see this, and they don't have anything special. And Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a tragedy, but I mean and I said this eight, nine years ago, and I'm sure plenty of other people did too. You want a flash movie? Okay, here's your flash movie. You spend 130, 140, maybe 150 at most. You hire six well-liked but not expensive character actors to play the rogues. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're on a crime spree. Barry Allen would like to stop them, but he gets getting dragged into Justice League nonsense. Right. And he's having trouble stopping them, but he doesn't want to ask for help because he doesn't want them to think that he can't handle his own mess. Right. And in the end... All six rogues start committing really awful crimes simultaneously. And he has to ask for help. And he has to realize that it's okay, that it's okay to ask for help. And they all pitch in and they say, no, 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 it's okay. You're still a badass hero. We're going to help you helped us save the world. We're going to help you clean up your city. Right. And not only would have that been a different movie from what from any other superhero movie out there, it would have had like an ensemble villains versus one hero. It would have been a giant metaphor for balancing the needs of a cinematic universe versus the needs of a solo franchise. Well, here's something that that you said, and I just thought of that on the shit. Why couldn't have they thought of something better? Right now, to <laughs> to just quick note. You thought of that on the shitter. You're not on the shitter now. You are in a regular chair mm-hmm. while you're. Podcasting. Yeah, he had thought about that before. Before he got when on he mic. was on the shitter. When he was on the yeah, shitter, yeah, then I mean, he left the shitter, got on mic. This Flash movie also has lacks something that back in the day when when we were youngsters and we go see these Batman movies, it was always said it's all about the villains. And this Flash movie had no marquee appealing villains. I mean, the villain that they promoted was basically Zod would be back. And you had Michael Shannon out there in the interview circuit saying that he's not that good in this movie and he doesn't like the movie. Yeah. How, I mean, that, 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 here's our big villain. You remember that guy you kind of didn't care that much for? Well, he's back. He's back and mm-hmm. he likes and the movie so even less. This. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's so nuts about this is they basically banked on generational nostalgia for Man of Steel, yes. which is the movie that got them into this mess in the first it's, place. It's, it's a, it was a, just a wild scenario from the start. So now. And when I saw it in Vegas, I, you know, I, I, you know, most of the people in Vegas, you know, oh, it's great. It's terrific. I'm like, A, they're wrong. Mm-hmm. B, general audiences aren't going to give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's listen. Yeah. I, I, you, you, you did say from the start that coming out of the CinemaCon, the the flash reviews were off the charts. You know, we had a guest on the show who came in fifty three percent hype. He was saying Flash is is going to be, and uh, we. It should be noted from the start. Scott Mendelson filed a review coming out of that CinemaCon saying it's blah, it's okay. Don't you know? And you, you nailed it there. Now, looking big picture for DC, they obviously have a couple of movies still left in the can from the old regime. Blue Beetles coming out in August. I mean, I think we all that that's oh, that's going to be terrible. It's going to be. A I mean, I don't know if it's going to be terrible, really but nice it's going to do terribly. To wait to make their first big Latino movie until the genre was already dead. Right. It's that a, was it's super terrible. Nice. It's, it's it's so sad. And listen, Aquaman: <laughs> The Lost Kingdom. I do think now that movie is unless it is great which i don't think it's going to be i feel like it's good it, it was a miracle to make a good aquaman once to do it again is just you know there, there's there's not enough miracles to go around for movies for that and the uh aquaman character i mean listen you've seen him brought back in cameos since that movie and they do not treat aquaman well at all he's basically as much of a becoming as much of a joke now as he was in the pre you know entourage james cameron's aquaman universe you know before that revital as aquaman so i think that movie is going to be a a huge bomb compared to the first one it, it could be an alice through the looking glass situation um that is certainly possible the reason i'm not hope i'm I haven't given up hope yet for a couple of reasons first of all i like james wan movies right right 
you know, I was hearing for like over a year buzz that said mal- Malignant was terrible. It was not terrible. Mm-hmm. It was really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, the footage I saw in CinemaCon was spectacular. Okay. Um, the other thing is, and I think this is what Warner Brothers has to do now, and I think they know this because there's a reason they did not not debut the trailer in front of The Flash. They are trying to disassociate this from the overall comic book melodrama going on right now. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be, you know, it's the Great Reset or it's the, the the there's a new DC world coming out. I was like, fuck it. Remember that Aquaman movie you loved five years ago? We made another one. Yeah. Come, have fun. They, they could try that marketing, but I do think it's yeah. getting caught up in that. That snowball's rolling down it the hill. It very well could. You know, and, and. And that's another one that five years, you know, in a non-COVID world, that would have been an easy $800, $900 million. I mean, do you think, how far do you think this carries over? This sort of. Su- superhero movie into I don't think the gun reset works. I, I would the, okay, go for it because that's what I was leading to. Because I, I yeah, I don't think so. Either. Most people, if people knew who James Gunn was, they would have showed up for the Suicide Squad. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. yep. And you know, to normal people, regular boring people that not boring, regular people that don't obsess about this stuff. So yes, boring. Like me, I couldn't tell you who won yeah, the last boring. Super Bowl because I don't follow sports. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, those people. They're not, you know, they don't care about a Superman movie in the abstract. Mm-hmm. They went to see Man of Steel those first three days because it was produced by Chris Nolan. It was sold as sort of like, here's what comes next after the Dark Knight trilogy. And it had one of the best fucking trailers of all time. Mm-hmm. Right. And the initial reviews were pretty decent. It wasn't until sort of like the regular, like the all media saw the, the, the numbers started to drop down, which, you know, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, super. We have not had a successful Superman movie in forty-one years. Right, right. Excuse it, me, forty-two years. And and um, it 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 makes sense that that's who they would try first. That's the big. That's the big gun. No pun intended. Is is doing the Superman movie, but it's it's a very very possible bomb. And it's just there is a lot of DC movie stink. And as you said, maybe not all earned because they have had their good run. They have had Joker win a best actor Oscar, make a billion dollars. They've had their hits, but aside from Batman Joker universe, there is just a stink overall on the idea of DC superhero movies. And it may take more than the three or four years from now until that Superman movie comes out for that to wear off, this might be the type of thing where you I need don't a think 10 it ever year... wears off. Yeah. At some point, they need to stop trying to do this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's or you know, and that's what makes me so angry is that they had a you know they had a formula that was working under Walter Amata, which was make a variety of movies of varying budgets and varying genres that are some of them are outright what you know one shots elseworlds whatever you want to call them, but even the ones that were in the universe. You didn't need to, you know, they existed in the universe, but they weren't as interconnected. Like, frankly, most Marvel movies, right, right. especially in phase one and phase two. And this is what everybody said they wanted. And to a certain extent, they were showing up. And by the end of 2019, you had a narrative saying, you know, DC may never beat Marvel, but I'm really interested in seeing what DC is doing because you never know what you're going to get. And every, you know, now and then you get something really special. Right, right. Well, and that's the shame about something like Blue Beetle, as you mentioned, is that if they would have gone and stayed the course, there is a world where Blue Beetle could have came out and it would have been the equivalent of an Ant-Man type movie yes. in the DCEU, mm-hmm. right? Where the expectation isn't this thing is going to do Captain America numbers or Thor numbers. It's going to do a smaller Shazam type number, right? Yes. That everybody's happy with because the budget will be at a, at a, at a, at like a significantly lower level. And also maybe you have the blue beetle show up in a, a justice league movie or cameo here and there. Right. But the expectation isn't like this movie is going to be a huge, huge tentpole movie. And so it's going to get lost in the shuffle. And it also is a victim of the stink. I mean, I just feel bad for Blue Beetle because it is a movie that probably could have succeeded if the scheme that DC had laid out was done well and done correctly. Right. And it just, it makes me so mad because at least a small part of the whole 
Hamada thing is he got blamed for crap that went down on Justice League. Not only was he not even there, he was brought in because of the disaster of Justice League. Right, mm-hmm. right. And, and you know, we're talking DC specifically, but I do think that in a lot of the minds of the average moviegoer, this entire genre is linked. And the failure of Black Adam feeds into the failure of Ant-Man Quantumania feeds into the failure of Shazam and now feeds into the failure of the flash. And it probably will feed into the possible failure of the Marvels in November. You know, it's, it's which again, fuck them for waiting so long to do a multi-female team up movie. Right. Until the genre is in decline. But I do yeah, think fuck them for waiting till phase almost the end of phase three. To go, now we'll do lady and minority heroes. Now they're almost tired of this. Shit. Right. Right. Right, but that is the that is the situation we're in now, and I do think yeah. all of these superhero bombs, whether they're DC, whether they're Marvel, do feed into people's disinterest for the next one. Because also, when you're a young audience, you don't want to be part of what is seen as uncool. And right now, yes. that is where superheroes are going, and it's only going to snowball. You know, and you'll have mm-hmm. your Guardians three because that specific movie is a specific thing people wanted, but. In any decline, in any changeover, there are outliers. There are ones that still are successful. And I do think Guardians 3 is going to be more of the exception in these next few years than than a sign that, oh, this is stabilizing. Right. Because that was such a unique unto itself thing for any number of reasons. And again, not to get back to Aquaman, but I think if Aquaman is successful, it will be because people want to see that movie regardless of what genre it's yep. in. That, that is true. That could be a Guardians type situation where people are done with the genre, but they like Jason Momoa's Aquaman. They know yep. this is going to be the last one because Gunn is, is rebooting everything. And maybe they're like, you know what? Let's see him before we don't get to ever see this again. Um, yeah. Let's move now, on. Real quick, sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I just want to – something really fast because, Scott, you were immune to the Flash hype. Right. So you come out looking squeaky clean. You come out looking like an individual that cannot be bought. But there is a few people who stood up for this movie, said this movie was was one of the best movies they've ever seen. Right. Right. Which was so freaking stupid on their part. They right? didn't have to do that. All they had to do was say, we know Miller's has his, has their issues. The movie's almost done. Mm-hmm. We think it's good. We don't want to screw over the people that have worked on it. And we think it's pretty good. We get but you had James Gunn saying it's one of the best superhero movies ever made. Now that he looks I like think a fucking idiot yep. for the next yes. when he's promoting his next reboot. That so then what is his Superman movie? Is it worse than the Flash? That I think is the most egregious. egregious because yeah. Zasloff, of course, is going to do it. He's going to say that, and it doesn't matter what his opinion on a movie's quality is, obviously, because he's a suit, right? But then you draw Tom Cruise into it, which also is like... I would love to know how that happened. How did that happen, right? <laughs> but the big one is gun. The big one is yeah. gun. It makes him look foolish. It makes him look untrustworthy. It makes him yes. look like a bit of a bootlicker. And that's mm-hmm. not his MO. He's the maverick. He's the guy who comes in and does the goofy movies. He makes the hard R, the Suicide Squad, you know, um, where there's like full male nudity in that he makes the guardians which like this is a guy who came up through the the you know um a trauma this is a maverick and then all of a sudden he's saying flash is one of the best superhero movies he ever saw i don't know what movie he watched right i don't either certainly wasn't that also highlights why long term it was so stupid for them to shelve batgirl because even if that that movie may be the worst one of the worst movies ever made it might be worse than morbius I, okay. I, and again, my theory is that it was a streaming 70 budget, $70 million, that because everybody gets paid up front, it looks and feels like a $40 million theatrical cheapie. Right, right, right. But from now on, it'd be like, okay, Batgirl couldn't have been worse than this. Batgirl couldn't have lost more money than this did. Right. And, you know, you're going to devalue the brand. Well, look what you did here, here, and here, and here. Batgirl couldn't have done that much damage. Right. And, and at this point, here's my advice. Release Batgirl for one weekend as a Fathom event. Because I think the curiosity <laughs> of that 
Yeah. Maybe it was a double feature. Gotta, with I, Unfortunately, I think they do have to finish it. I don't think it was as almost done as people like to say. I, I would say it doesn't even matter at this point because people are, are going to go to it yeah. for the, the novelty. Release it as a Fathom event, double I, feature I with the Jerry Lewis It might have been about Clown as movie. done as the Snyder Cut was prior to you know May 2020. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's – let's because, Scott, I know it's your, your, your yeah, Papa yeah, Box fun. office and, and it's Father's Day weekend, so you're a busy man. So let's move on to – you know, the superhero movie genre is in decline. And speaking of in decline, Pixar, Elemental yep. opened this weekend. Good movie, by the way. Good movie. Okay, good movie. I, I mean, listen, it, it's one of those things where this was not a, a movie where it was ripped apart, but it, it seemed to get a collective shrug from the critical mm-hmm. community, from audiences. I mean, especially from children, which... Back in the day, that is what Pixar used to care about, and I think that stopped being the case a while ago. But this movie, which came into the weekend with very low expectations, somehow walked under those expectations. This opened to, was it a $29 million three-day weekend? 29.5. And just to give a little bit of uh, uh, just like context to this, this movie is the lowest grossing Pixar movie ever, except for the first one, which was Toy Story 1 in 1995. And we don't do adjusted for inflation, but if we're adjusting for inflation, $1995, I mean, this is the lowest grossing Pixar movie ever opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and we knew it was a slam dunk that this was going to open under Onward and under The Good Dinosaur, which both opened to 39. We thought there was a chance it could go under Toy Story. And technically, it hasn't. I mean, Monday, we could be seeing this going under Toy Story without yeah. even adjusting for inflation. But if you adjust for inflation, which I think we can do because it's $1995, this is the worst opening of a Pixar movie Ever. 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 So Scott, can you speak to what happened here? What was your what was your thought going into this weekend? Did it go lower than even you thought? But but what I, is the situation with Elemental? This was basically what I was expecting. Wow. It was sold as a generic Pixar movie. It didn't even my kids who really liked it, even they said to me, gosh, there was a you know, if they had hinted at some of the stuff that was in the movie and the marketing, I would have been more excited to see it. Okay. Interesting. So the marketing um, undersold this. Interesting. Now, to be fair, in a in a more civilized time, Pixar movies often had underwhelming trailers. But that you know, they often they like to keep the cards close to their vest. They didn't spoil the whole movie. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to because a Pixar movie was automatically an event, right? And they knew people would show up and they would be surprised by all the stuff that wasn't in the trailer. That would build word of mouth. That would improve word of mouth, and they would have a hit movie, right? So even if the the trailers to the Incredibles were kind of overselling the doofus dad element, they knew people would show up and think, "Wow, this is a terrific action adventure melodrama." Right, right. Go see this, everyone. But now that Pixar is no longer an automatically an event, mm-hmm. now that original movie animated films in general are no longer events, they can't do that playbook anymore. Right. Right. Well, Pixar is not um, a trusted brand to audiences the way they were in the 90s well, and 2000s. Well, it's not even trusted because their movies have been good. It's just people don't go to see original animation in theaters the way they did six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a non-sequel, non-IP blockbuster since Coco in late 2017. Wow. Wow. So the animation were- itself is not the draw in a way that it used to be. But yes. like Super Mario, of course, is a billion dollar baby yeah sequels franchises marquee characters right which mario brothers is nothing but marquee characters right right so but but if you look um, at the animation world obviously mario is marquee characters but there is something to illumination has just taken the place of pixar in that they created yes marquee characters in the last decade with their with your minions and your grew and your uh, Sing is animation, is uh, Illumination, correct, right? Yep, so you've got yep. Sing, you've now got Mario. Those were franchises that began back when people would show up to sample the goods. Right. I, I am very worried for migration. Yeah. Granted, it's going to be a lot cheaper than a nap. You know, it, it's fun. You know, everyone, they're not wrong when people say, oh, the Pixar movies are too expensive. Walt Disney animation is too expensive. And that's probably true. But God, the money's on the screen. Right. 
I mean, Elementals is a stunningly animated picture. But um, now at this point, is it safe to say, I mean, obviously, you know, you hate to see uh, layoffs. There's been gigantic amount of layoffs in Disney and at Pixar. Is Pixar in danger of yes. maybe they're not going to be releasing a movie a year, a couple of years from now? Maybe. Listen, and it happened over the pandemic, but maybe this is the future. Maybe Pixar is a studio that creates Disney Plus content. Are we looking at a future where Pixar movies getting released in theaters is the aberration as opposed to the norm? Yes. Wow. And they have only themselves to blame. Wow. Wow. Because as challenging as original animation has been over the last several years, I still believe Soul would have been a smash okay. in a non-COVID world. Or even if they had held it to summer 2021. Mm-hmm. I still believe Encanto would have been a solid success had it had they not treated its theatrical release like Disney Plus marketing campaign. Yep. Yep. Turning Red, I think, would have been a solid hit had they put the fucking thing in theaters. Well, Turning Red, is the, that's the turning point. The fact that, that yeah. at that point, which was what? That was spring 2022, and that still went straight to Disney Plus instead of theaters? I yeah. mean, that that is a, a yeah, just historically Bob bad Chapek move. stupidly looked at the Encanto Disney Plus numbers and thought, oh, that must mean everyone will watch it on Disney Plus. Like, no, they watched it 100,000 times because it was a musical. Yes. That's why Moana still charts on Disney Plus every week. Yes, yes. And, well, and- I mean, I think Elemental is going to do gangbusters on Disney Plus. Of course it will. But, yeah, that's, but, but the- that's pretend money. But that's exactly that's pretend money. That's eyeballs. That's not and actual it's, profit. It's, I genuinely believe that in retrospect, again, I have very mixed feelings about Project Popcorn. That was the Warner Brothers thing where the movies were on in theaters and on HBO Max simultaneously for the first month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it did help save theaters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that absent that gimmick, they would have held Godzilla v Kong to May, and we probably wouldn't have had a summer movie season in 2021. Wow, wow. Um, and Mortal Kombat helped keep them alive. Yes. Godzilla v. Kong basically opened the fucking Tom and Jerry helped keep them alive. Yes. And yes. even though the films individually were underperforming, films like Space Jam and Suicide Squad that were doing over under $30 million opening weekends and dueling over under $150 million worldwide, those were helping keep theaters alive. Right, right. And I don't think they would have had the confidence or the you know, whatever, to release a, a full slate like that, absent the safety net that HBO Max was theoretically providing. Right. That being said, mm-hmm. I have no doubt in my mind that throwing HBO Max or Wonder Woman 84 on HBO Max in mid-Christmas, basically as cannon fodder to the streaming gods, you know, absolutely killed that movie. Right, right. Because- And that was the, you know, that was the start of this DC and disarray again narrative. Yep. And now two years later, year and a half later, Suicide Squad got its ass kicked again. I don't think it would have been a hit anyway, but if you hold it for a little bit later when times are better, I think it does closer to four, you know, 300, 400 million, or at least in a non-COVID time. You know, the right. new normal is the new normal. Point being, I do think that the way Wonder Woman 84 and Suicide Squad were used as HBO f- Max fodder is going to be as detrimental to the DC Films brand as was JPEG sending Soul, Turning Red, and Luca to Disney Plus was to the Pixar brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and in both cases, they were unforced errors chasing pretend money that they and that did not help them worth a damn in their quarterly stock portfolio. No, no. And, and, and listen, parents subscribe to Disney Plus because it's got all the old. Cinderella movies and the Little Mermaid movies, and it's and, and because they got to have it, it's 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 the law at this point. You know, they got to yes. just have Disney Plus so their kid could just shut up and go watch the directed video Cinderella two and just be out of their hair for ninety minutes. You know, it doesn't matter that Encanto went there instead yes. of going to theaters. It's a babysitting service. Yes, mm-hmm. and we know this because most of their original shows, some of which are good, they. Got they did not get huge viewership. Right, Mighty Ducks, Big Shot, um, Willow, Willow, yeah. You all of these. Hey, look, this IP that we're going to make into a Disney Plus content. Nobody gave a shit. Right. Well, here yeah. here is something that I think we we touched on in the failure of the Flash that it it went for the you know forty to fifty five year old person nostalgia factor, 
And you're seeing that a lot with all these properties and with Pixar, you know, in the sense that right now, Pixar movies do seem to be targeted at middle-aged people more so than they're being targeted at kids. And that has finally bit them because Pixar had the run where they're getting best picture nominations and adult people are saying, oh, this is as good of a movie as anything else up. But at their heart, those were still movies fully targeted at getting kids excited. And I do think Pixar lost the plot about that. These last soul might've been a big hit, but as Clayton has said on the show many times, it also was a a film about a dead jazz musician. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. that is the plot of a movie that's going to get kids as excited as the super Mario brothers are saying. They liked it, but but, they liked it. But but we're talking about trying to get eight hundred million dollar worldwide and turning red. That was that was an intergenerational kid targeted story. Right. Even my kids said, you know, if they knew they were going to like it that much, they would have, you know, we would have waited and saw the El Capitan the one weekend Mm -hmm. that was there. Mm -hmm. Which I wish they had mentioned that I would have waited. There there (laughs) is something. So no, I, I get I get the feeling, but you know, because I tend to watch these films with my children. I, I do have at least that much perspective on what does and doesn't work for them. Right. You are you are getting and you are getting the when the movie is good, they don't mind if it's told from the point of view of an adult. Mm-hmm. 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 And you know, but, but, just uh Finding Nemo is a, a midlife crisis story of about an overprotective father. You know, un, uh, the Incredibles is basically unbreakable cartoon style. It's about a father that feels like he's a loser because he's not doing super heroic shit anymore. Right, right. Um, so, so there is there, there is this argument with with Pixar, and this is the pushback I always get when I say Pixar has lost it, because everybody says, "Well, the movies are still good. The movies are still good, right?" Yes. I mean, Luca's still good, but is Luca as good as Incredibles? Is Luca as no? Good but Coco as- was. Mm-hmm. So okay. Coco, and you know what? It's not. And Soul was, and Turning Red was. And, and I, I don't mean to get you on your case about this, but no. I am under the impression, I am under the belief, I don't believe there was ever a Pixar slump. Okay. Not after Cars 2, not after COVID. The movies have always been generally, at worst, really, really solid three-star pictures like The Good Dinosaur. Yeah, other than maybe Cars 2. But even that was Lasseter basically doing, making a movie you wanted to make. Right, right, right. But um, is there even still Cars a- 3 was you know, a solid riff on the you know, threequel formula. Is there still an argument to be made that this is a brand that's been going strong and consistent since the mid nineties and just by law of attrition or law of things moving in culture that Pixar can be putting out equivalent quality to their hardcore fans, but yet the general public and the culture has moved on, right? There's a possibility that that's the case, right? Because all things will end at some point, right? Marvel, I mean, again, now Marvel has lost their quality control, but like there's there's going to be a time when even Illumination is not going to be selling tickets, even if they're doing equivalent movies to sing and sing too. It's just the way culture moves. Yes. So, and that when, would be fine if people, it was easier to make new stuff. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the issue we're going to have with Pixar, and I think you probably all agree with this, is that the movies that are going to go to theaters are Incredibles 3, Toy Story 5, um, finding whoever else is missing, right, <laughs> it, 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 under the sea. And the other original ones are going to get relegated to Disney Plus, and those budgets are going to get cut because you're not going to be spending $200 million on a direct to Disney Plus movie anymore because as we've all said that that's there, there's no real money to be had there it's all just about attention and creating a generation of people that are weaned on disney right that's more important than the money at least it was now the money's important because wall street was like oh wait people got to make money now with these streamers right so it's a giant that's fucking pyramid scheme exactly so that's the issue now is that the original pixar movies don't have a place in theaters anymore. And that might not be a quality issue. It's more of a consumer issue. And yes, it was decisions made by Disney that caused it. So, um, you know, I think we're going to be talking a lot about Pixar in the weeks to come. I mean, listen, I'll say it. A listener of this show uh, and a friend texted me a New York Times alert that she got today about how bad the opening weekend of Elementals was. You know, that is that is where this has gotten. The New York Times 
is alerting people to the decline and downfall of Pixar. So this is so a big it's story. bad air and Elementals is a bad movie. Yeah. So that's the that's the warnings you're getting on so, your phone here in New York City. So uh, I want Elementals is a good movie. It just people don't show up anymore. People don't show up. So yeah, and that's how I felt since 2018, walking out of any really strong animated picture on opening weekend because I waited to see it with my kids. You know, to paraphrase the ending of Blade Runner. Great movie. Too bad it won't live. Well, there's also, and and we'll get off of this animation. Here's, I think, something that affects animation as a special event. All movies are animated at this point, or at least all, you know, you're now a decade of Marvel movies where those movies are 80% animation. So the purely cartoon animation isn't a special event when it would be cartoons or you're going to go see a Tom Cruise thriller. You know, I mean, maybe that's yeah. going a little yeah. far back, but I think there's so much animation in every movie that animation itself and, is no longer a draw. Yes. And I think the failure of The Flash gets back to a broader problem that's been a problem for a while. That's that's because the industry is so dependent on franchises and IP and brands, mm-hmm. you're getting all these franchise installments of clearly dead IP. Right. Nobody asked for another Transformers. No. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nobody asked for a Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And we are shocked and amazed, and you know nobody nobody asked for another Indiana Jones. Well, those are films that exist not because the audience demands it, but because the shareholders and the studios demand it, and they think that if they put it out, audience will say yes, we actually wanted this. And when you look at what's doing really well, Creed three, John Wick four, Guardians three, Spider Verse two, those are films. Novel concept. Those are sequels that exist because people really fucking liked the last one and wanted more. Well, let's get yeah. into Scott. When you look at, let, let, I, I just want, I do want to just move on because Scott's time is limited, Clayton. So well, just, okay, just yeah, moving on. Real, so moving on real quick. The the okay. movies that have been hits in the spring. It was looking good. John Wick was a hit. Cocaine Bear. All these hits were feeling good. Now we have had a rough couple of months here. Or, you know, the summer movie slate has not gotten off to that fantastic start horrible weekend this weekend indiana jones coming out in two weeks you know where where is your where is your feeling right now on the summer movie box office are we all just waiting for tom cruise to save us again yes wow Wow. and and do you feel like this is possible i mean is is this going to be a a a summer movie season that we look back on in september and say we're in rough shape you know yes wow um, now the good news is there are just more big movies in July and August than there were last year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, when you look at so far, you know, May and June movie by movie guardians was big, but strange was bigger. Yep. Flash was a hell of a lot smaller than Jurassic world three. Yes. Little mermaid was a hell of a lot smaller than top gun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, elementals is probably going to be smaller than light year. Right. I mean, you look at last summer, you had a Minions movie, and at this yeah, point- Indy's going to be a lot smaller than Minions. Right. I mean, uh, I don't want to get into- Boogeyman, smaller than Black Phone. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I mean, as as well as I think Mission Impossible is going to do, it could very well be smaller, at least domestically especially, than Thor Love and Thunder. My which God. people treat as a flop, but it made $343 million. Yeah. I, it's a- Now, the good news is- I think the Meg will do better than, say, Bullet Train. Right. And yeah. Ninja yeah. Turtles will do better than nothing. Right, right. Blue Beetle will probably do better than nothing. Right, right. And so forth and so forth. Right. but, but And Barbie and Oppenheimer will probably do a hell of a lot better than nothing. Right. Or then better than, I guess, the, the Oppenheimer slot is nope. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Which on its own terms was a solid it. Right, right. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a sad state to be in because I think we all looked a year ago at okay, 2022 is when it all clicks back and it was for a while. I mean, you had a Super Mario Brothers movie in the spring that a movie that people wanted to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's and I I you know, people tease me in a fine way sometimes for saying this, but like you sometimes have to remind people that it doesn't make sense to make a sequel if people did not like the last one or maybe didn't see the last one. Why the fuck are we getting Expendables 4? Right, right, mm, right. That looks rough. I'm old enough to remember when Expendables 3 bombed. Right, right. 
Well, that was all piracy, yeah. though, right? Remember it, that? We, that was don't all piracy. Make me come over there. <laughs> so, Scott, let's just do two quick hits on movies coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, no hard feelings. Jennifer Lawrence trying to bring back the R-rated <sighs> comedy opens on Friday. Listen, we're all rooting for this movie. But, yes. I mean, I am seeing some estimates that There's are- There's not a lot of heat. Oh, my God. You know, I remember five, you know, eight years ago when you had Trainwreck opening, it was treated like a genuine event. Yes, mm-hmm. that's a great comp. And, and, and in theory, and Jennifer Lawrence not- should be a much bigger draw than Amy Schumer- was at the time, yes. and th- there's no way, no way, uh, no hard feelings opens to train wreck numbers. No, and I, 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 I don't know what has changed other than maybe you know Universal was better at marketing those films back in the day. Right. I don't know. I mean, even like you know, summer 2019, they got Good Boys to 110 worldwide. Right. Yeah. Um. Our, our- Asteroid City had one of the biggest per screen averages of all time for a live action picture. I. You know, it expands to fifteen hundred theaters next weekend. I'm hoping it will do fine. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be everything everywhere all at once. I mean, it's no, it's no. it's amazing how this this year is comping lower than 2020, uh, 2022. Yeah, it's, it's stunning. And I blame the movies. Well, Indiana Jones, Again. Indiana Jones five coming out in in two weeks. Style of Destiny. Could we have another Flash situation? You're giving the thumbs down. I mean, is this a movie that could open $60 It is a bad film. Oh, wow. Online interest, online coverage does not translate to general audience interest and general audience curiosity. The the reviews started out bad, and there is nothing that will happen or has happened in the next two weeks to make people more excited for that film than they are right now. Wow. Wow. And that's basically what happened with The Flash. Is yeah, you had the, the initial surge two months ago of CinemaCon, you know, viewership, but then you had two months of nothing. Right, right, right. And when the numbers, oh, 75, surely it'll be up, surely it'll go up. It's like, will it? What's gonna happen in the next two, three weeks to make people more excited? Right, right. There's a and there's no stars that are gonna promote this. I mean, Harrison Ford is not gonna go on, was he gonna go on hot ones? I mean, Harrison Ford probably yeah. it's a blessing that there's no talk shows that he's has to go on. <laughs> he, he's like his reign of terror has ended. It's it's for him. It's great. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it, yeah. is there a web show? Oni, show Oni was the only people, one that could contain him. Yeah, is there a web show where people smoke pot? Because I think he might go on that. Right, smoke very most likely flavor. Yeah. Uh, the pot, funny thing yeah. is, jokes aside, I mean, I think say what you will about the Force Awakens, but I think he kind of rediscovered the joys of celebrity while he was promoting that. Okay, mm-hmm. and he's been a much jollier fellow since then. Yeah, so so we are looking at grim times. We're looking at Tom Cruise to save us in early July, and we're just hoping that and Barbie and Barbie. We're I mean uh, and Oppenheimer. Yeah, I mean I think the the story of the summer is going to be written by those three films. Wow, wow. I mean Barbie has to overperform because it has to be. Listen, and I think I think that it has a chance because of how. Elementals is going to just fall off the face of the earth and kids are going to need something. Mario opened in March and Little Mermaid is going yeah, to be It'll be the gone. first female targeted films since Little Mermaid. Right, right. So, but it's PG-13. It's PG-13. That's the thing. They, Which, Warner Brothers needs to put out a trailer that says you, your kids will enjoy this. You can take your children. Right. They have not done yeah. that yet. Right, right. Yes, They've I got agree. A month. They better get We'll talk that. about Barbie when it happens. Me and Pat yeah. are in different pages here, but... They, they they haven't told you who the target for this is, and that's what's difficult with Barbie. But that's we have both agreed that the excitement is among the perpetually online, and as we've seen over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, the perpetually online skews the narrative to something that is not ex- disproportionately does not exist in the real world. Right. Here, here's one thing I'll throw out about that. And I totally agree. We always say tweets aren't ticks, but one thing I am seeing a lot specifically with Barbie is people tweeting about how they can't wait to see this, which is different than a snakes on the plane or a lot of those movies where they're just tweeting about how nuts is this? How bizarre is this? Wouldn't it be great if they, did that is encouraging. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah. I, Obviously, this is a very different time, but there was a time not so long ago when Warner Brothers was the best studio in the industry at taking these less conventional, not your everyday tentpole movies and turn them into genuine smash hits. Right. Uh, Magic Mike, Gravity, The Lego Movie, It, Fury Road, Joker, 
Dune, Elvis, right, um, right, Crazy Rich Asians, The Meg, and I would not count out The Meg too. You know, I've talked oh, about yeah. that a lot. I mean, God, you named Elvis, and just look at it last summer. What's the comp to Elvis this year? Elvis, listen, there is a world in which Elvis may end up, if Indiana Jones falls off the face of the earth, domestically, Elvis could end up doing better than Indiana Jones. I mean, yeah. that is not something we thought was at he all He could end up doing better than a lot of, you know, Transformers, Fast Fast and Fast X domestically. Right. Um, the Flash. Um I think I'm for, you know, uh, what else? Well, Elementals, obviously. And yeah, obviously Fast Elementals. X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's the weird thing is that you've got these two movies in May, Little Mermaid and Fast X. Little Mermaid is doing gangbusters domestically, yep. but it's mm-hmm. doing not that great overseas. Again, I will argue it's simply because like Solo, overseas audiences don't give a shit. Right. Mm-hmm. And the movie has nothing else to offer for people who aren't already on board with The Little Mermaid. Right. And you can go on Twitter and scream racism all you want. They fucking showed up for Seoul. That movie made $58 million in China at, you know, in, in December 2012. Wow. And it was leggy as hell. So you can't pretend they didn't know it was about a black person. Bullshit. Right. Right, right. Uh, if the movie is there, they don't give a shit. They may not go, wow, representation matters, but they'll show up. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, but then you have Fast X, which is arguably stumbling domestically, but it's doing very well overseas. It, it's stumbling comparatively in North America and China, but it's basically kicking ass everywhere else. Right. But mm-hmm. both films, because they're incredibly expensive, will probably not make a profit in raw theatrical alone. Wow. And Fast X is, is the perfect situ- uh, uh, situation of they're going to give us sequels that people are not asking for. Two more of those yes, Fast and Furious and, movies. It's it's insane. Well, one more plus whatever the hell the Dwayne Johnson right. movie is that may or may not ever get made. Right. Very yeah. true. So, Scott, uh, let's give yeah. you the last word here. Is there anything that you – we haven't touched on that you want to say about Flash – Elemental Pixar or the upcoming couple of weeks of the summer box. I think the damage that giving D Zack Snyder keys to the DC universe. And again, I don't necessarily blame Zack Snyder because you know what you're getting with him. Right. You know, they could have just said after man of steel, what else Mm -hmm. do you want to (laughs) do? You want to do that, that seven samurai in space, you go do that Mm -hmm. instead. Yep. But they didn't, they doubled down and they tripled down. And, but the, the, Damage that was done by them fucking up the DC universe right out of the gate has done incalculable damage to the Warner Brothers as a studio, as a brand, as a financial institution, as a as a movie studio. Wow. And because of that, I will then argue that the damage done, not this movie's fault, the damage done by the Avengers being as big as it was and every studio in town chasing their own Avengers, it did massive damage to Warner Brothers. It basically killed Fox, even though Fox really wasn't playing that game all that much. Mm -hmm. They created a ridiculous world where you had people on the street cheering Disney buying Fox because it meant that Wolverine and Spider-Man could hang out. Uh, Sony, it almost killed Sony trying to make their own Spider-Universe. Wow. Um, It crushed Paramount because it turned their IP into less than. Right, right. The only studio that came out ahead was Universal because they, from... From the get-go, they're like, okay, we are not Disney. We are not mm-hmm. going to try to be Disney, mm-hmm. except for the Dark Universe. But they got over that one pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, they did not push forward with that, which is shows they realized th- th- that wasn't something people wanted. And can you imagine how much better the industry would be in if everyone had, re- you know, oh, wow, the Avengers, that, that did $1.5 billion. Then in 2015... Jurassic World and Furious 7 both make about as much, if not more, than the Avengers at the worldwide box office. If Hollywood doesn't go, okay, there's more than one way to do this. Right, right, right. Well, we may be, you know, we all thought COVID box office was going to be some kind of reset and, you know, things take a couple of years. We may be looking at the uh, a reset of what, these studios produce what it means to put movies in theaters. This may be the time that it's really happening because this summer bottoming out in the way it has with the franchises bottoming out may mean they finally have to rethink the last decade plus worth of, uh, uh, we're seeing a frightening repro summer, 2020, 16, where you had a bunch of franchise titles that once upon a time would have been giant event movies, but now we're just, Oh, another one of these. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, but of course you didn't have, you know, 
a streaming war and COVID and, and all these other different things turning every single theatrical release into an underdog. Right, right. Well, so so Scott, do you think Extraction Two dropping on Netflix had any effect on anything at this point I think for this it weekend? Cost last hundreds, possibly thousands of dollars. Wow, yeah. wow. All right, you know what? The New York Times didn't it's a report great fucking that movie, but also it's a two-hour picture. You can yeah. do both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. People are able to stare at screens for a very long time nowadays. Yes. So Scott, thank you so much for being on this episode, this important You're episode. Welcome. Of course, everyone email us at the Bo Boys Podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at the Bo Boys Pod. And we're YouTubers and subscribe and smash that like button. So Clayton, let's give the in honor of the Flash because we'll probably never get to do yeah. it again. Let's give a flash like goodbye right now because i think we've got nothing left to say we have nothing left to say except for until next time we'll smell you at the box office nailed it